Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Looking on the iTunes podcast app, yes, mate. and I don't think you've done a podcast before. I never have, no. So this is your first time out. Yeah, but I listen, right to, on. Your, I listen to yours quite a bit. I've just listened to your jazz one, you know. Oh, I'm really? Jimmy Jumpy, I do. I listen to it a lot. Um, nice one. So he, I'm chuffed I'm that um, I'm doing it. He's a fucking force of nature, isn't he? Well, we... Um, youth. We work for you. We'll get into it, yeah. But um, he's, uh... yeah, it was interesting, weren't it, that one? Yeah. It fucking blew my mind a little he... bit. Thanks, mate. To be honest. Ice cold. He just goes off. Do you want yeah. that door shut? Please, yeah. And much more, Thanks, like, spiritual and deeper than a... Yeah, oh. and kind of very self-aware. Any problems, just call. Just call. I don't... I'll come. I think we'll be all right. I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be all right. I better turn my phone off, hadn't I? If you just go straight height-wise, is that all right? I can bring it down yeah, if you man, want, but grand. I figured that would be... That's grand. To give us a little levels. Hello, 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 hello. Lovely stuff. Hello. So, yeah. Yeah, Jazz Coleman, fucking A. I know. All right, well, cheers. cheers happy man. to be breaking your cherry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to be here, man. I'm really happy. It's good. Let's Good. let's start with Birmingham, our mutual hometown. Yeah. Where, where did you grow up? Quinton. And is that where Bill, Bill Oldie's from? Is that right? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. My, most of my family uh, were from Arbourne. Okay. And my parents lived in Quinton. So uh, I spent most of my time growing up Quinton and Arbourne, basically. And for you as a kid, like, put me in the picture of the, the music that you were listening to the friendship group and the circles you were rolling with and your kind of, you know, your family life, your upbringing. I was, I was really lucky. I've got two brothers. Right. One's older. And uh, he, my mum was quite ill when we was young. So like they, I kind of got left to do what I want in a way. Because when she, when I was about 10, she had this like brain tumour and uh she was kind of out of the game for a bit. I mean, she's still with us, but she was kind of out of the game for quite a while. So, From what age from in your life? From about 10 okay. to about the age of 14. She kind of like just let me do my thing. But because of that, 
both of my brothers had gone to grammar school. Okay. So my older brother had gone to grammar school and typical like, this sounds a bit like, but typical grammar school boy, he was like into grunge music, indie music. So I grew up listening to like Ned's. There was loads of Ned's Atomic Dust in the house, Carter, um, Wonder Stuff. And, uh, but I started skate. I went to a comp and I started skating. So, uh, so you were into more like Green Day and Offspring and... No, not really. No. I was still listening to like what my brother was playing. But then there was a bit of Up Ivy and stuff, obviously, mm-hmm. from, from, you know, from, the, uh, from the videos um, that we was listening to. But I was hanging around with an older group in the centre of town. It was kind of just... When I look back now, because I've got a daughter who's nine... I was just like, actually direct your voice back. I was, uh, I was just, I was like in town at like the age of like 11 onwards, kind of just hanging out in Pigeon Park, Central Library, just Oasis, Oscar's Cafe in Oasis, mm-hmm. just being a little, what's it, you know, and just, and but skating was such an important thing for me. It made, it, you know, it meant I travelled. Like, I used to skate from Quinton down to Harborn to meet my friends, then to Five Ways, then into town. And then, you know, when I was really young and shouldn't have really been... Left to your own devices. Hanging about in car parks in town, smoking weed, do you know yeah. what I mean? I should, I, I should have, like... But as I say, because my mum was ill, my dad had bigger things on his plate, you know, he was working all day and he had to come home. And my mum was, like, bedridden for, like... You know, a good couple of years, really. She was, she was quite, you know, quite ill. To be fair, did your older brother take any of the familial responsibility on, or was he off? No, no, not at all. If anything, my older brother was a bad influence when I did get home because he was already, you know, he was already into that kind of thing and living that, you know, because he again he was getting away with, you know, being able to just go out and do his thing and. I guess. So is he presumably going to nightclubs and raves and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was very much like early dome. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that you know yourself. Of course. You know, um, you know, Q Club, like Oscillate was the club that they all used to go to and stuff. And uh, um, The Med Bar. Yeah. But he was really cool. And he used to, he was a real like, because I went to a comprehensive and it was a completely different crowd that I was knocking about with, especially after skating. Um, I felt like I was seeing the best of both. I felt I felt really fortunate because I was like, because I saw this kind of student lifestyle. I'm not being derogatory about it at all, but I saw this kind of like, you know, well, it is a student way. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And I liked it. I kind of, because that was, that was my family, but I also, you know, grew up in Quinton Brandall, hanging about in Brandall, and I saw a very different, I was quite, I took quite a different path really to to my brothers. As I say, they both went to grammar school and, you know. Did you wear a working class pride on your shoulder? No, well, nah, because I'm quite aware of, I, I know how fortunate I am. I've, I've grew up in a house with, you know, where I've been loved and fed and, and looked after and, you know, and cared for. But it was just that I was naturally a little bit of a, of a toe rag, yeah. you know. Why do you think that was? I really don't know, but if I, I know that if I get into a classroom, if I go into a classroom, if I went into a classroom now, the naughtiest boy there would befriend me, like hundred percent, right. yeah, 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 immediately. And has uh, that obviously transcended? You think into your fan base and your audience? You think they see that <laughs> <laughs> lovable guess, rogue side of I you guess, on stage and identify a bit with that? Yeah, I hope so. But I think that secretly, most people, the, the emo in me is the bit that people really warmed, I think, musically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. The more you know, heartfelt songs we when don't, you're talking about. We don't really write like laddie songs. You don't, but I was listening to the first album earlier and one of my favourite tracks on there is The Neighbour and I fucking love that song. Yeah, you see, I... I, <laughs> I love that song. And I, I don't want to have... I don't, I don't... I try not to have regrets. I try not to look back because things are good, you know, but... That album, you know, it could have been so much better. We had so many, you know, we had so many tracks. We were just in a whirlwind of everyone patting us on the back, saying, you're going to kill it, which in a way, we were doing well, you know. And we, But I kind of got swept up in that, whereas before that, before getting signed, I, I, was, I was really like, 
you know, like now you have con- you lost you lose control a little bit. We lost control a little bit, but um, so the neighbour I don't play anymore. Do you know? It's just too. It's just too. And it was it was it was. I think people got it wrong. You know, it wasn't about beating up this neighbour. It was a true story. I moved into this house. I'd been living in Selly Oak in Studentville, where we were getting away with. You know, you it's like you're in it. Bermuda Triangle, like you can just make noise or and no one complains. Like we'd been partying all through the night, you know. And uh, I bought my first house with my girlfriend, who's my wife now. And uh, and I thought we could carry on mm-hmm. the way we'd been going, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and the neighbour that was there, obviously, who's a fully fledged adult <laughs> with a job. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> didn't didn't uh, take kindly to it. So we used to come round and because. Yeah, I just wrote this story about him. It was all true. It was literally all true. He 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 really disliked me, and I think I think by the time I left, I kind of I thought fair play. I would dislike me as well, and especially now that I've yeah. got children, you're I'm a parent. Of, I would have I would have hated living it. We had amps plugged in, and we'd be jamming, and we'd be like, you know, just a little bit unruly. And he was just uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's a true. Story. But I stopped playing it because. People thought it was just about meeting this neighbour in the pub and beating him up, and it was not at all. Yeah, yeah. It was not at all. If anything, I was... I don't want to ruin the, the myth of it, but I was half frightened of him. He was a bit of a lunatic, you know. He was he was, he was, was literally standing in his pants in the central reservation saying, all of you, you know, he was, he was, a, he was a crazy character. Well, we were at your uh, dear friend and manager's house the other week for his 60th. I know, I was so, and I was so good. It was a Tuesday, it. I think, or it was a weeknight, whatever the night was, and yeah. there was a neighbour downstairs in a similar kind of situation. He came upstairs in pink underpants, nothing else, <laughs> and he was fucking raging, yeah. and he was banging on the door, and it's, you know, it's that situation that everybody has probably been in, maybe not when they're still 60, but that's Ian. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it is, it's, I mean, that whole first album for me has that, there's obviously the deeper moments, which we'll get into as well, but it has that reckless abandon, doesn't it, of the bravado and the carefree nature of being young and cocky and believing in your talent and, and the, the, the winds I, in the sail. And I think restrictions make decisions. For me, songwriting-wise, it was I was just writing what I was capable of writing. Do, yeah, do yeah. You know, do you know Necessity I mean? is the mother of invention. So yeah. if I came up with, you know, all my riffs were just repetitive, you know, three chord riffs really that I could just chat over and that's how I, I found a way of expressing a way of doing it you know yeah. because I, I wasn't technically you know me especially myself and John we weren't technically good enough to but it didn't matter because we were in there and we were having fun it was better than standing on the streets you know and it was better than just going to the pub and it, it gave us a focus and it gave us this dream so but when we put that album together I, I, I specifically by no means was it a concept record, but I, I definitely thought for every moment of, of twattiness, there's got to be the, the truth, which is regret, which is me in the morning going, fucking hell, did I, did I say that last night? Did I do that last night? You know, or did he do that last night? Did he really do that? Did that happen? And so for every, I, I, I deliberately put the running order together. So for every moment when the listener might be going, Fucking hell, they're, you know, they're a bit leery. They'd be going, oh, Well, there's like your Saturday night record, and then there was then always the Sunday, the Sunday morning. morning, like the Verbs, Urban Hymns. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. So you were looking to combine both of those things on one. Was that the kind of goal? Yeah, well, that's what we did. When we got to that set of songs, and that's what the labels, and that's what everyone was saying, they're the songs that have got to be on, I needed to balance them up, you know, because a lot of those tracks that were leery, I wouldn't, you know, if I could go back and do it again, they wouldn't be on there, you know. But then we might not be, people might not have been interested in us. You know, the first press that we ever had was a story about a samurai sword, which was just, you know, and it just, from the word go, <laughs> from the word go, like, and I'm a bit like, when things are going well, I expect, I kind of expect it to... Blow up. To fuck up, yeah. And, and that is, which is a shame, but that's, you know, that's just how I am and that's, you know... When you were getting all the press and stuff early on, did you feel like, because I think there's a tendency in the media press and especially the indie music press to tease out of people that are on a like a wave of success, to tease out cynicism, bitterness towards other people in their community. I was asked. Were you... 
I was asked approached for quotes every interview about other bands a lot every interview like what do you think of this person shit talk this person I'm really proud the Noel Gallagher thing I'm really proud of the fact that if you googled us there's nothing there's not one there's not one comment on another band a spat of any well and I refuse to do it and and from that we've never had really anyone say anything about us we've had the tiny band like you know jealous band say stuff and but not not um no public, no like high big, profile. You know, like Liam or Noel, they yeah, rip yeah. everyone, don't they? Yeah. And they never, they never had a pop at us. I think they've realised where we were from. You know, that that that, you know, we were from similar stock, and uh, yeah, the press. They asked me every single every interview. Were you what? What do you think about these? What do you think about these? But my thing is, and I've said this a lot throughout the you know the last few years that. The pressure of us being called the best band in Britain, it was impossible to live up to, you know, because we might be some people's favourite band, but we're not... If you're into... And that was the enemy that put that tag on you guys, right? Right yeah, out of the gate. Yeah, and, and, and there's nothing you can do about it. And it's good because it gets you, of course, gets you yeah, a good yeah. deal and it gets you, like, it, you know, it gets your crowds, you know, larger and stuff. And it is, it's good. You need it. But the other hand, there was no way of living up to it. You know, yeah. it was impossible because... The Twang might be some people's favourite band, but if they're into, I don't know, My Chemical Romance at the time, then we're not their favourite band. We're their least favourite, you know. So to say that this is the band that's going to save you, you know. It was a really interesting time for music. And in in all honesty, it was a time that I completely distanced myself from, really, because I got to uni and I just... In Exeter was where I went to study. And I just fell in love with, like, the root, of where all the music that I loved came from. So as a teenager, I'd grown up on like Rancid, No Effects, Green Day, Offspring, etc. Yeah, yeah. And then as I got to like 17, 18, 19, 20, as emo was blowing up and a lot of indie bands, I guess, that were probably in the same kind of, well, record label in some cases as you guys, or at least management company, bands like Kaiser Chiefs, groups yeah. like that. I was just like, I want to listen to The Clash and The Buzzcocks. And I just went completely back. So I wasn't really there for a lot of that, in a warfare as it were but it's interesting to me looking back because you guys were never really a part of the indie thing really like you were i think a lot more drawing from the roses and the mondays as opposed to being a part of that contemporary indie thing um i think perhaps not musically but definitely with a lyrical approach like with a kind of a i don't know there's similarities with you and sean for me in the way that you will take a subject and kind of Bring I mean, in a bit of hip hop elements, and I'll have that. But like, I think the streets were massive for us. Were they I mean? like as a Birmingham guy? Were they were they felt in Birmingham? They were my back. They were I like it, it, for me. He was he was our guy. You know, right. he was he was. They were our band. He was he was us. You know, and were but they I, playing around Birmingham a lot before they got big? No, the first I, time I watched him was in Manchester. They were massive. He kind of blew up, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but he was so he, he wasn't one of those cats that was like on the local gig circuit for ages chipping away and making was, a name around Birmingham it was just like all of a sudden no, overnight no, here's no. this guy that's from Birmingham that's massive the lad he used to write with SK played around Birmingham done some gigs with us um, but yeah Skinner was it was so important it was like the, this is possible now you know the repetitive loops the chatting nonsense about anything yep. you know it was just it, a night out it made yep. it possible you know the regrets the, you know, the bitter sweetness of it yeah, all, yeah. Everything it was like he was ours, and he he managed to do something that not many bands do in the way that he got people like us. Um, but then eventually, you go to his gigs, and it was full of students, and it was full of you know, he got everyone, and that's what big bands do, isn't it? That's yeah. what Oasis did, that's what the Roses did. If you can get, I don't like saying the normal lads because that was a tag that we were given all the time, like this laddie, normal lad thing. and I thought it was a bit derogatory to our fans, really, but there are two types of people. There's your working man, you know, who goes and yeah, graphs all day, and there's your, you know, people that work in an office and your students, and yeah, and there are two. And and if you can get both of them into you, you're winning, aren't you? And I think Skinner's one of the last bands that I've seen I've seen do that, you know. Well, not only just that, but if that makes sense, yeah, a hundred percent. You're talking about uniting people. And doing away with class boundaries and borders. But yeah. what they also did was invent a sound that was so new and fresh and it had never been heard before. Yeah. And it's rare now that you hear any group that comes out the gate new and you go, wow, that's brand new. That is what they're doing is this amalgamation yeah. of yeah. all these different things, but it's new. 
Yeah, I think we, I think we, I think people do struggle struggle to pigeonhole us because I don't, I, I really don't think we sound like anyone. I think the Mondays comparison was just that we were a bit uncouth, you know, and a bit rago like about delivery and subject matter. But I don't think we sound sounded anything like them, and I think I think even the Rosie sounded quite different. Our guitarist is a rocker who's heavily into like. Steve Vai and like right. he's a real like rocker like the guitar he first had was like some crazy looking like Washburn you know and he does all this tap but that is really he really Brought when he in. joined the brand it was like wow this who's is, that Stu Stu yeah. was like this is amazing do you know what I mean we've got this guitarist that can actually play and then obviously the U2 the Edge compare because he plays with such a big delay delay like, and stuff yeah yeah but um, it made us, it, we didn't sound like anyone because of that, you know, because we yeah. had a rocker guitarist, you know, a bass player that if you asked him to play a G, he wouldn't know where it was, but he could just play a groove, you know, which is similar to the Mondays. I guess that's the kind of the Mondays thing. And you's just so unashamedly brummy in your delivery. <laughs> yeah, I guess. That regional style, right? But it grates on me when people, it, it's one of my, it's one of my, worst I, I can't stand it when a band's singing like a, either an american accent if they're from birmingham yeah, yeah, yeah. or a mank accent because that was a thing that a lot of you know that inflection that's insincere yeah yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I really can't stand that and i've never you know i've not delete i've just never done that you know and i wouldn't mm-hmm. i wouldn't i'd hate people to be like i hate the thought of being found out to be honest i hate the thought of being in general you know being like found out so i, I try and be as honest as possible you know because you do get found out. I know looking back is probably not where you're at right now, but just to get a little bit of rock and roll anecdotal do it. Uh, details from you, do just it. put put us in that storm if you can of 2007 and from you know being played on ba- like BBC Daytime Radio One before you even got a record deal to going on arena tours before the album's even out, and then you know you're doing every festival that's worth anything all over summer. And then in that autumn, you sell out Brixton and just, yeah. I mean, that year, looking at the kind of series of events on paper, seems insane. Yeah, it was. And, I, you know, you don't know what you've got until it's gone, do you? Because we did take it for granted. That's You did. I really try not to look back because it does make you, because you can't change it. And we've been so lucky, but, you know... For everything that we did great, we fucked up as well, you know. Every, we burnt bridges everywhere we went, you know. We we would drive off from a festival and it might as well get a box of matches out, light it and fucking... That's another one we ain't going to ever do again. Was we that just, the behaviour of the group, people around was, the group? It was the behaviour. It, it it was our behaviour. It was drink, it was, you know, it was drink. We were... Having it large. We were... It, I... Because I hate that bragging as well about, oh, we were so fucking mad. But, like, you know, we were what... You know, we were what we were. We did turn up and we did, you know, we were, we were going to party all night. And we were, you know, it was our duty. We'd just been given a shitload of money. We were playing these, you know, everyone was patting us on the back. But I mean, every morning you'd wake up to a phone call after your manager. You're fucking ruining your career. You're. De-. It was just like constant. It was just a constant thing of that, you know. I remember, well... Virtually every show we ever did, there'd be something the next day where you'd be like, you fucked that one up. So, you know, you'd go and do this amazing gig where you'd absolutely like, you know, kill it and you'd be on top of the world. But then just because you stayed around drinking, like we don't stay anywhere now. We in and out. Well, that's a smart move, isn't it? But that takes time and mistakes I know, to learn that I know, lesson. I know, but we're, we're, so, we're so in and out <laughs> Let's now. fuck off as soon as the show's no. done, yeah. Find as a club, soon, do the damage as there. As soon as it's done, yeah. go and find a pub and sit together, you know, and argue yeah. amongst ourselves or whatever. We, rather than, I mean, because it was just, it was, it was a constant. It was, it was a constant thing. We'd we'd do something great and then we'd fuck it up. We'd do something great and fuck it up. And it was just how we were. And I guess in a in a way that's endearing. And it's annoying that your manager would be phoning you up, going, "You're fucking, you know, you what? What are you doing? What are you doing?" And then two weeks later, he'd be telling the stories in the pub, you of know, course. living off that like. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're crazy, yep. man. And you'd be like, fuck off, man. Because when it actually happened, you shit it. Yep. Do you know what I mean? And what do you expect? Right, you've just give us a shitload of money. We're on a tour bus. I don't even know what the fuck we're doing. Do you know what I mean? And we're just, you know. Well, this is also the last tail end of the music industry, wasn't it? It was the end of the record business just before streaming. And it was the end of big advances. And it was the end of that era of rock and roll behavior. 
Yeah. Because it doesn't exist anymore. Like that, those days are gone. I mean, we got, we got. <laughs> Look at a band like Royal Blood, right? Great band, very yeah, successful. Yeah, yeah. There's no way there's any dirt on those two. Do you know yeah, what I that's mean? That's a bit boring, though. Isn't it, it is. That's what I mean. That's it's a bit over. Boring. It's fucking. It, I mean, that's a we, shame for me. We, one of, the, we got, um, we got a really large publishing deal. Like we got a, we got a million pound basically. We had. A, a million pound on the table off EMI and a million pound off Warners and we were umming and ahhing who to go with and John it's like what what you know this how bizarre it had got me and John were like talking you're being wined and dined me and John were talking going who, who, who do you think we should go with and we was like oh. and there was some issue with EMI that it might not go through that night and we were just like fucking if we if we mess this deal up like let's just sign with Warners so so we did because obviously there was a million pounds it was insane and they've met us in home house in london with uh with this check literally with a check so i've got photos with it at home and stuff we never talked about it at the time because i didn't want people to think because i got you get taxed on that so much your manager take you know you don't you it wasn't like we were loaded it was just like you weren't millionaires overnight it was just no. that i could go and buy some very nice jackets the next day you and know? some nice gear no doubt yeah 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 very <laughs> much so and um but that day they passed us a check and as i'm getting a photo took like this my drummer at the time was in the corner shoving olives up his ass you know and Amazing. spitting them out, like, like calling them seasoned olives and this this uh this, you know, Warners, the people that worked for them, were just thinking, what the fuck have we done? Do you know, because that whole night then went insane. You know, we was with our uh, our lawyer at the time, Statham, who was an absolute ledge, works with everyone. And uh, it, the night was just brilliant. It was, just, you know, he was just, it was just celebrating because we've just done this deal. But, you know, even that the next morning, everyone was like, what the fuck was going on in, you know, what were you doing in that place? You know, like running around well luckily it was pre-internet like smartphone era right that's the good thing as well i mean that's... you imagine if there were people rolling around with camera phones during that time well i just i mean <laughs> i'm really which so... is i think a large part of the reason why that behavior is dying out is because if you go out and behave you know in a bar now strangers are just going to film it and put it on youtube aren't they i think social media in general i mean i i, I, I don't want to sound too old but i complain about it all the time on the show don't worry, I, I... it's got it's got pros but it's definitely got cons I find it really sad and I feel that like, especially for someone like me, I have anxiety just over a conversation, you know, you know, like I can't really deal with it. You know, I don't want to do in your face. Just like, I don't want to, well, I don't, I don't mind having a photo with people. That's cool. But I don't want to tweet. I don't know what to say. And I don't, I don't feel that it's, I feel like it's just bragging and Mm -hmm. I feel like it makes me feel a bit embarrassed. I don't want to, Obviously, I do do it. Live the, your life out online. Yeah, yeah, the managers say you've got to do this and you've got to do that, but I just... It makes me dislike people that I used to know that I thought were really cool. And then That's an I interesting see, point. Yeah, yeah, When yeah. I see their online persona, yeah. and then the next time I see them, I think, I used to think you were cool, but you're actually a dickhead, yeah. you know? And it's like, whoa. I feel that's a real shame of it. And I've got two daughters, and I worry How about... How old are they? One's nine, and one's three. I've got a boy who's seven. But I really worry about social media for them. Yeah, man, of course. But I don't want to be. I don't want to be this. You know, I've got friends. We've we, we discuss this every time we're out. You know, because everyone lives on their phone. They permanently yeah. don't they? And I try not to. I, if I'm having a drink, I I don't. I've not got my phone out. I'm chatting and. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's what we're here for, isn't it? And to connect. And, and my friends are real friends. You know, I've only got a handful of friends, but they're my friends. I've not got. People, let me ask you that: When you blow up and you become this big successful band, do your friends? I guess I'm gonna guess the answer is no, because it seems like you come from a kind of place in an area where your mates are the real deal. But did you, any of your friends or people in your life change towards you as you became the singer in a successful band? I'm assuming you had loads of other taggers on jump in, but what we, about the friends that we you'd always had a lot had? of associate? You know, there was a big group of us always when we used to go clubbing or whatever there was always like you know 20 of us or whatever there was a, always a big group of us from Quinton and Brandall like and uh, they I I they stopped they made me feel embarrassed about it you know I didn't want them to th- think like because it was all the press was about these crazy lads but they knew me and they, they knew we weren't I, compared to them like I was you know I was placid and you know I definitely know my place I don't you know I know when to shut up in a pub and I um, 
so I didn't get you know I didn't get slapped every time I went out on a weekend because I know my I know I know my place you know but they definitely kept me I didn't want them to think look at him man do you know what I mean like so I was really conscious of that so, so they I, kept a, you grounded in a way I played it down well I played it down because really we were flying and I could have been like fuck you know could have been like Liam fucking well yeah, yeah, yeah. well I mean as I say when things are going well I get not like I remember we was on a train down to London to meet with a label. This is this is like 2006. I said to Saunders, I'm sure I'm losing my hair. And he was like, oh, yeah, you are. Just straight out. And I was like, fuck. So everything's going beautifully. And then I'm going fucking bald. And I was like, fuck. So, and that's kind of how I feel it goes. Do you know what I mean? But that's, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that because I, I feel fortunate that I'm able to do it. Somehow I can pen a, a song that some people like, but I, I do get, I get grounded all the time, you know, just by my own brain or, you know, whatever. I just, you know, my own fears, but I definitely, that's good though. I wouldn't, I, I, I think if that hadn't have happened, if I'd have had a great bowl head and I, 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 I might have been more of a cuck. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I think these things happen for a reason. If that, makes sense so I could never do that whole Liam thing also because I felt we were so similar like the shit that we talk and the, sh- the way we are I felt that you don't want to be pl- like I think people would be like want to be he, he, he thinks he's him do you know what I yeah. mean when we we you know we were wearing Burgos way before I'd even heard Oasis and we were fucking you know we were going clubbing and doing drugs way before it was cool. Do you know, like the clusters, you know, like this brick pop, like everyone's doing the gear. Do you know what I mean? It's like, sorry to mention gear on you. You can sure. mention whatever you want. But here, like, mate. you know, it was like, <laughs> you know, that's, I was conscious of that. I didn't want them to say things. He's, because we were so, we were, you know, we knew that we were similar, you know. But I see through, when you got bands going, oh, I wish fucking, you know, like, you know. Come on, if you have to talk about how hard you partied or how wild you are, then you're not really that wild. Of course. And that's the thing with social media as well. You're either, before, back in the day, you were either in the club or you weren't. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It's that. And now, you know, people go there just to get the picture and probably then fuck off. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. what is that about? Like when we used to go to the wheel, because Skinner, I, I didn't know him at the time, but we used to go to the steering wheel every Friday, every Friday you know, Saturdays as well for fun but like we used to go to slag on a friday all the time and so did skinner like we found out later on and that, you know you were either that was the best club in my opinion that was the best club in birmingham you know onto tin tins afterwards that was that was living you know and um but you were either there or you weren't you know it's yeah does that make sense yeah like, and you're not living it out you're not living your life out in real time online if anything because all you could do with the phone then if you had one even was text or call and everyone you want to speak to is out with you so your phone's just in your pocket for the night and that's it. Yeah, we didn't have phones by yeah. the, in the wheel days. Yeah, we yeah, yeah, we yeah, yeah. We didn't even have phones. I yeah. think I got my first phone in like 98 or something. You know, one of those blue orange on a 50-minute free on the nighttime one mm-hmm. deal. Do you know what I mean? But um, This is an interesting period for me. Let me just check a couple of things. I've got my notes on my phone. Go on. Um, so the, the second album, Jewelry Quarter, and I guess right in that, and that's when you work with, with youth, right? Yeah. Was, was was producing that record. Um, was it in Granada in Spain? We... Yeah, because I, I, I feel I've been quite derogatory about the first record, but... And I don't mean to, because it, people really do like the record. Well, it's because it's you, know. you 12 years ago, right? And so you've grown and evolved and matured as a person since then. And so there's elements of that. Like, if you see a video of yourself when you're 12 years younger... There's elements of that behaviour that you put on display that you're going to go, oh, I'm yeah. embarrassed by that because that's part of documenting your life, isn't it? Yeah, it was it's... a be- and it was a beautiful time. Like when I wrote, Saunders lived with me and we wrote Two Lovers together, you know, in an afternoon in his bedroom, you know. And, yeah. And I remember writing Either Way and, you know, that song changed my life, you know. Yeah. That completely changed my that That is the song, why we got management. It's the song why we got a deal. It's, it's the song that changed Radio my life. Radio play, all of that, yeah. I remember writing it at 10 o'clock in the morning, you know looking out at this nursery that was called Happy Days, you know, and I think, because I, when I pen a song, it's there's about 30 pages that condense into, like, something. 
and the opening line was <laughs> these are like happy sounding like Jamie Oliver or something. and it was like but it was be- it changed you know that song changed my world do you know what I mean so like I, I, I'm not being derogatory about it because or I don't mean to be because it was a beautiful time it was beautiful man it was really beautiful like fucking beautiful hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Did you have the difficult second album syndrome? What was the headspace? Well, they kind of put us straight in because I think things were, I think things were falling off for us a little bit. You know, like we had like, you know, I remember phone calls like Radio One or Eight. They're right, you know. It's like it wasn't like they're not playing that song. It's like Radio One or Eight. It was like what? what? You know, they're out or whatever. You know, it was like fuck. You know, it was really like quite shockingly like a cutthroat. Yeah, like and we said like, what? So they was like skip straight back in. From like, here's your demo on daytime radio <laughs> to fuck off. We're not playing yeah, anymore no, it was, in the space was, of like eight months. It was insanely that quick, you know, even though we just sold out bricks and then achieved this like, you know, this thing, it was like, it was kind of, that was, that was, you know, you've had your, you've had your bit, you know, you know, fuck off. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But we were like, we're, we're not going to, you know, like, hence we're still here now, you know. Did that, is that what fed into part of that approach to that second album was we're not going to be an overnight success, we're not going to be a one-hit wonder, we're going to fucking stay the course? I think that second record, I'd, I'd struggled a bit with the whole thing, you know, that, you know, I, I try, again, I've not talked about this, but I, I had a few threats as such of like, you know, that kind of had put the wind up me a little bit, you know, and I'd kind of, I kind of spent my time trying to say, look, man, I'm not, you know, I'm not going on crazy. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm just, I, I write songs, you know, I sit with my friend writing love songs on an acoustic. It's not like I'm out biting people's noses off, you know, on a weekend. I'm like, you know, we're, <laughs> we're quite like, I remember Zane Lowe, first time he ever saw us, he pulled me off stage and he was like, I get it, Phil, I get it. And I was like, what? And he was like, you're emo. And I was like, what? And now the rest of the band would have been like, fuck up. But I was like, well, I am. Do you know what I mean? That's half the the gig is is me screaming and shouting and trying to like get you know something off my chest. Do you know what I mean? And try and show people that I'm not what people might think I am, which is you know like and I hate the word like, but a chav is what you know what they used to call us. They're, some of the press was like they get their jewelry from Argos. Real like horrible like you know. Like you're knocking a, you're not just knocking me. You're knocking a certain type of, you know, you're demographic, knocking yeah. a demographic, you know, and you're knocking our fat, you know, and you're saying that if you like this, that's what you, I found it real. When I'm off, you know, aspiring, you know, I've got a cool house and a beautiful wife and three kids and you know a drive and they go to a private school and I'm fucking, you know what I mean? I, you didn't have that luxury. Oh uh, yeah, I want them, yeah. And I want them to feel that it's possible for them to go and do something without having to live in London, without having to, and I don't want them tested and put in a, 
a box. But I'm not saying this is the thing when you've got kids and educate. You know, you, you ran a pub table with your friends who've also got kids. I can't imagine it because I don't. But it's very easy. I think the vaccination thing is a big thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, well, you say whenever like, you say how the parent people yeah. get the fucking. And I, I'm not they saying get the hump. I'm not saying that at all, no. and I get that. But for me, for you, you want. I was, think is I was bottom set in, in, in school all, the, all throughout. You know, I couldn't get... I left school with not one GCC and failed my resits and, you know... But I remember my maths exam. I couldn't get higher than an E. Like, the questions were so, so, like, ridiculously easy. It was like... And I don't... You know, they could have pulled something else out of me, you know, like... But they that just was put, obviously there. They put me bottom, you know, and that mm-hmm. was it. And I don't want that. I don't... I don't feel testing a seven-year-old's right. So that's why they go there. And just, <laughs> I'm trying to validate the fact that my kids go to private school. But yeah, I mean, that's my, you know, that's... <laughs> you need to validate shit, Phil. No, I don't, I don't. But what I was trying to say is, you know, I'm a spot... Like, I wasn't this, like, Torah, you know, this person that they... You know, but again, I don't need to validate that either. But that was the press. They they are, you know, to get a job in press in London, you you are from a privileged background. I don't... Yeah, care how political 100%. that sounds. You are, man. Yeah, because you can't come and live in London and do the tea run at a, a, a magazine without daddy paying for it. Do you know what I mean? It's funny to me. I've become more proud of being from Birmingham since leaving Birmingham because everybody down here refers to me and my culture, if you will, as Northern, and I'm like, you're mad. Because my dad's from the north, he's from Manchester, yeah. and Birmingham is not the north, it's the Midlands. Yeah, 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 but it's, the, it's the heart. To, but to the, the southern media folk, you know, I'm a northerner, and I'm, and it's always said in a derogatory way. It's never said in a, oh, you're different, let's celebrate that. And, you know, that's not me moaning either, it's just what you're saying. The reality is that the, the media, the music, the entertainment industry is all pretty much based in London. And to get a leg up in it, as you say, you have to be able to work for free and do, you know, I was blessed that Kerrang was based in Birmingham and I could work. So you know lots, your friends. I know lots very well, yeah. So I know I worked at Kerrang full time for 10 months unpaid, but I was fortunate that I could live with just at my parents' house in Solihull and go and work at Kerrang every day. And then that was my in. Lovely lad, Lars. He's the best. I haven't seen him in a very, very long time. Show on a Sunday afternoon. But you guys always used to do. I always remember it. We do. We do the Christmas parties in Centenary Square. Yeah. And you guys would always play. Maybe that was the root of the Twang Christmas party shenanigans. I don't know. But yeah, I mean that's. that's But I remember you guys did two or because I was there for like three years, and our Christmas parties were always featuring the twang. (laughs) We done. I really liked Lars. There was, there was, there was. I think they got us. You know, they made us. They, you know. I think they got us. They they played our tracks a bit, you know. I think they realised that there was a little bit of a crossover. Yeah, that you give me my own show, and that I realised how hard it is to radio DJ. You know, because you, you you think oh, I'll just go and play some tunes and talk some shit, but when yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the mic comes on, I was like, yeah, yeah you've got to be like. I guess it's those moments. Do you think about those moments in between songs on stage? Do you ever think like, oh, I could have stopped talking twenty seconds ago there, well, or <laughs> like self editing? You know, because. That's the difference between a front man and a singer, I think, is being able to sing the tune, sound great, but then also hold that crowd in those moments between the tracks yeah. as well. And like word economy and making it count. And I've gone through many, many uh, phases with the chatting in between, the, right. pat, the patter yep. in between songs where I've done gigs and not said anything. And then I think like when you have a good gig, because nothing, you can't always have a great gig. You can't always, you know, so like, Sometimes your pat is brilliant, and then other days it's a little bit shit. Yeah, and I think that's the same as every, life, isn't it? I just think so. So now I'm I'm quite comfortable with it because sometimes, but our bass player John, who I write with, he's like, oh, you should, you've got to start talking more again because it's like you know that's what we were about. And it was funny, and but then it, if it feels forced, I won't do it. You know, so I do. I you know, and and in the early days, it did kind of feed that. Oh god, they are fucking. You know, he is like that They're because wild. he's here chatting utter nonsense you know too drunk it's becoming karaoke it's like you know it's, it's a bit embarrassing so i can't but i've gone through so many phases with that but you know some people are great at some people are great at just being nice guys aren't they and i just i'll just see what happens on the day we had we done three shows last week and one of them was beautiful 
you know, the crowd were beautiful and the, I felt like my power was, it was all happening. Well, that's the, the other thing the other is I don't care right. what anyone no. says, half the responsibility is on the audience. And I don't care what anyone 100%. says. I've done a lot of touring. I do a lot of DJing with bands and I play in between, you know, groups and whatever. And I see the difference that a real shit crowd has on a band. And I've seen bands work and work and work their ass off and the crowd just don't give them anything. And half that responsibility, and some people listen to this might go, well, no, if I've paid my ticket entry, I should be entertained no matter what. But (laughs) fuck that. Half, at at least a third of the responsibility is on that audience to to show up for the band, to be there for them, to get into it. What we started doing, we realized, I feel that we were one of the first to do this. Um, but we we done a weekend offender tour where we just played weekends because like Thursday, I was, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, because I was like, there's no point. You you could do Manchester on a Saturday, and it's gone nuts, mm-hmm. and then you end up in Liverpool on a Monday, and they've got work, they can't get drunk, they can't get high, yeah, because they've got a, you know. So the gig's not going to be as good, and that depends on the band, and if it's a band that is kind of. Well, we're a party band. Exactly, you know, exactly. So band, for a band so. like you guys, because I'm friends of Skin Dread, I don't know whether you know them, they mm. did a tour recently where they did the exact same thing. So yeah, Thursday, Friday, really Saturday works. for a month, rather than two weeks, they just did weekends over a month. Just logistically. Because they're a party band. Yeah, logistically, nightmare for crew. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you just, you, you know, a tour that would last two weeks lasts like, I mean, you know, eight yeah. weeks or something. It's quite crazy. But um, it really worked for us. And now... When when you do do a gig on a Monday night, you're like, Fuck, I can't, we can't be doing this. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But you have to. But I think you, you've got to give the crowd a bly because I also think if everyone that watched gigs was like me, they'd be appalling. Because I, you know, I like to sit in a main academy. I'll sit upstairs with two beers under my seat. Yeah, 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 just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just chill, take it in. You know, I, well, I don't do. You know, I don't do anything really. I just sit there, probably saying, "Ah, oh, they're a bit shitty," or whatever. You know, like what you do, uh, <laughs> what you do with your friends, and. Uh, and I always say that if everyone that watched bands was like me, terrible. But I, I struggle to lose my inhibition. We have the, we also that, have which the, is also a British thing, because tell yeah. me that the crowds in Europe on a Monday night sober yeah, aren't maybe, a lot more inclined maybe. to just. I've never. It's a very <laughs> British thing to have that kind of uptight reserved nature even at a rock concert where even, you're like I should be getting even, down with it, but even oh, when I'm not drunk enough yet. Even when I used to go clubbing, pilled up or whatever. Um, I'd still just stand there at the bar nodding because I thought like dancing, like actually seriously dancing. I was like, I can't be doing that. I can't fucking... And it's, it's ridic- too self-conscious. It's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, yeah. I, I know it's like a self-conscious thing. I was at a wedding and my wife, uh, about a year ago, my wife was saying, come on to the dance floor. And I could not. I wanted, I, I swear, I wanted to just dance with my wife because, you know, I wanted to, but I couldn't, I can't do it. I just, I'm like, fuck. So yeah, but it's great. If people, I love... Uh, our fans, I, I love them, man. They go nuts, you know. They're into. I've it. been to the last two years, I think, maybe even three. When you've done the Birmingham hometown Christmas shows, at the Academy, because all my school friends go anyway. Oh, okay. I didn't um, know you'd. Co- I wish you'd come and said hello, man. I didn't know you. S- I've definitely seen you at one of them with with Ian in the production office, definitely. Um, but I noticed though, and. I- what I love about those kind of nights, and it was like the same when the streets played in Birmingham last, actually, because I was at a hotel with some friends. We'd been to a different gig, but there's a lot of fans from the streets gig at this hotel. Yeah. And Birmingham becomes like a kind of a Notting Hill carnival for the night. Do you know what I mean? It has that. You definitely know we're on. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I've just, he's just said, I guess I can say it, I'm going to, uh, you're doing a second date now, right? We, we have. Yeah. It's, it's on sale. It's oh, on sale. So we definitely so can say it, yeah. I mean, that's been amazing. Um, we we got a mutual friend in Ian, and Ian was someone when the band, a few years ago, I owe so much to Ian. He saved, he, he, he saved our band, basically. Did He's, you ever break up? No, I mean, no, John left. We've had, we've had, we've had... You've obviously had personnel we've shifts. We've not but... had, like, you know, trauma as such, but we've had, you know, we've had our fair share. It's always down to drink, you know, and... And whatever else comes with that. But like, I mean, our drummer robbed, our original drummer who'd been with us from the start, robbed all our, we moved rooms and we were, you know, we were, we bought a lot of gear. So we had like two of everything basically. And he robbed the spare rig and, and, uh, and that was a shame because he was like a little brother to me, you know. And then shortly after that, because that had a real big effect on, while he was doing it, John had left the band for a bit. Who I write with because 
he um he was he was just he, you know he needed to he was he was going to end up in a in a fucking cell or a box you know he was he was he was i'm sure you know i'm sure he'll be listening to this so hello john but um he yeah he left for a bit but then he and we got Baz for telly in and john done the right thing he needed to he needed to have that year away from it to to because you, you know that thing if you don't know what you've got to you it's gone he's come he came back yeah but ian was a guy that was there for you when the chips were down we we well, yeah what we, what we were saying is we've never broke up but we've we're very close yeah we're we're so close now you know to breaking up it's it's so fragile even with a new record in the can and yeah everything. we're so it's fragile man and that's not Again, it's not, it's not trying to sound rock and roll. It's just fragile, isn't it? I don't know whether I'll, I'll, I can get in and write another record. It's so unhealthy. Do you know what I mean? Mentally, physically. It's just unhealthy, you know. I haven't got a spare room anymore as well, so I don't know where I'm going to sleep when you get in and you... Off your box, you know. <laughs> but um, the whole process I find quite taxing. It took five years to write this. So. But yeah, Ian, he, he's... He, he, over the last three, four years, he... he He's old school, you see, and he's so beautiful. He saw something in us that he's like, when we've done gigs before and I come off and our press officer's going, you've got to stop, you know, you shouldn't be saying that. You shouldn't be saying, cunt on stage, you know, what are you doing? I'm like, F- I didn't mean to, man, I'm sorry. You know, just come out, I didn't I didn't mean to. And he's like, fuck it. And Ian's great. like, fuck, Ian's like, fuck, everything's fucking beige. This is what it's about. This is, you know, this is what I want. I'm not, you know, because we're the only band he manages and he's like, I manage these for that reason. They're not beige. And and it's so beautiful. It's so refreshing, you know, because every other person that we've had involved with us has tried to. It's tried to like sand know, down the edges. Yeah, like come, you know, come on. And make you fit in the square holes. Where Ian's like, you know, we're going to get you back to be yourselves. We're going to get you back to these stages, these big stages where you can. Because that's the other thing with the band that we got, we developed to kind of a show where which only kind of works on a on a big. Bigger stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. sounds wanky, don't it? That? Well, no, because that's the shows that you've been doing for so long, you but know, when you get into that groove. When when I got, because when you DJed for us, which is very nice of you, thank you, but like when you've done that, that gig, they, and they can see the whites in your eyes, I feel like they're assessing my soul, do you know? I find them the hardest shows. Well, isn't that interesting? Find because them impossible. I feel the same way in that if you put me out on Brixton Academy stage, I am. 10 times less intimidated yeah, than if I'm in a room like the borderline. 100%. As you say, because they're right there. Yeah, but they're looking and at you. Like, they, they can oh, see, shit. they're looking into your yeah, eyes. Yeah, they're yeah. assessing you. Yeah. You know, and I, I get that. I found that gig so hard. And that does bring out that side of me where I, I end up waffling nonsense, you know, to try and mask, you know, drinking, you know, drinking too much and on stage <laughs> whereas and, and Ian was like I'm going to get you back to that you know where you can I'm going to get you back to where it's also hard in a small room to be going come out you know like our gig of course yeah 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 and a load of artists loads of bands that I love and are friends with would be like ah oh, what you know that whole thing of they could never shout like cut you know but our whole thing is like come on let's you know let's let's, let's have it let's have it and let's have the roof up a bit you know and it's um it's hard. You can't do that in a tour. I, I feel like I'm faking it in a small room, you know. Yeah. It's impossible. Everybody get down on their knees. Then when I say jump, jump, and it's there's like 20 fucking people it's, in the room. You're like, what? It's impossible, man. Who, who are the best bands that ever took you guys out in terms of the way they treated you or just what you learned from them in terms of their stage show or just how fucking wild and fun they were? Well, James were... I yeah, mean, that was, was the first big one, right? Beautiful. They were so so lovely with us and tim you know you hear all these things this happens so much where you hear stuff about a front man they go oh he's a bit of a he's a bit up his eyes he's a bit of a twice tim was so beautiful you know he used to watch a sound check every every day you know you'd you'd, you'd look around during the show and he'd be on the side of the stage watching it's really like you know and then real like just beautiful uh, who else did we play with that was what were libertines like was that their peak craziness we didn't we've met Pete and that, but we didn't. Didn't play you do a show with them? Didn't you do a high park? We played or a, um, oh, we did, but we didn't hang out with them then. Right, that was, right, that right. was in 2015. We we was in, and we'd already got to the stage of being in and out then. Right, we were, right, we right. were, we were in and out. And what was Sean like? Well, Ryder, we've toured, we've played with Ryder a lot. Um, he was quiet. 
you know, I think he was he was nice with us. We we left him alone. You know, I don't we. If, unless he wanted to, you know, he, it was past partying, you know. I've had a little party with Bez and stuff in the past, but like, Sean, I, I, I so much admiration for, for Ryder, you know. We grew up, it, even though I say we say nothing like them, they're one of the reasons we're in a band, you know. Mm-hmm. All of us, all of our friends, everyone, you know, we all had agree this on mutual the Mondays. agreement yeah. that the Mondays were the great, are one of the greatest ever bands. And they were document you know they documented our lives as that you know let me ask you this i presume you love the smiths a l- favorite band and there's there's a reference to he's not morrissey he's steven yeah. in one of your new singles <laughs> in dream yeah. what what's what's your take on morrissey in 2019 well, yeah, it's a shame isn't it because he's become a bit of a cock but he's always been he was all he was always outspoken you know, always outspoken and you're not allowed to i'm not saying i don't agree with his views at all but he should be you know I mean, people it's fucking Morrissey isn't it he's Morrissey he's a, he can do what the you know I don't do put it what? this way what good music has Johnny Marr done after the Smiths well yeah, yeah, I mean, and then Morrissey and all the incredible solo records he's oh done God, dude, so, you know because Johnny Marr no disrespect I haven't heard a single solo song by him no, no, I've gone wow nor that guy's I. still got it nor have I but then that hidden in the grass one by my, you know, on a, oh, I can't think what it's called. <laughs> Number five. Um, I'm terrible with titles. Yeah, Morrissey, the Smiths, they're my favorite. You know, they, they, we, we, we never play the Smiths in the studio for the simple fact that they're you just crush your. Confidence. It makes you sad. <laughs> it, you're never going to be. We'll as, never be that. You're yet. never. You well, you're not. You're I never going to be as good as them, and you, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, our crew would would be like. They'd probably hate the Smiths now because all we used to do back in the day is just play the Smiths all night, just party into the Smiths because they're the greatest band ever, aren't they? They're certainly up there. They're, uh, they're one of my favourites for, for me, sure. For me, lyrically, the, lyrically, musically, music, the, the bass player, you know, I mean, Andy Rourke, the beelines that he plays to sad songs. Well, that's why I was asking you about your take on Morrissey because when people are like hashtag cancelled, I'm like, you have to be able to separate the guy's opinions from the incredible art that he made, I think, because yeah. otherwise you're denying yourself. You know, it's like people going, oh, that John Lennon was a wife beater. It's like, well, you're never going to listen to the Beatles again because him and Yoko had a fight that you don't really know the, the ins and the outs about. And He's doing himself no favours, is he? No, he's certainly not. Do you know what I mean? Well, that, that's the key difference, I think, is he is probably out there more than anyone with complete disregard for yeah. what anyone thinks of him. Just like, yeah, the more I say, the more they hate me. But then... The of... more I say, <laughs> the more they hate me. But the... Um, he... You know, he's wrote some of the greatest songs ever. So I can't... Hey, man. I can't... And you don't want to cancel those songs out of your life. I, and I want people to speak... I want people to say stuff, you know. Yeah. I just don't want Stir to... Stir the pot. Yeah, to a degree. I, I think he's... I don't know. It's... He's a bit of a cock, isn't he? He is. He's a bit of a cock. But then all the best people are, right? <laughs> well, there is that. There is that. You because... look at the history of like either geniuses or just wild fucking memorable performers. And it's very rare that you go, oh, he... I mean, I guess there's people go, oh, Dave Grohl, he's such a nice guy. He might be an exception to the rule because he's a very competent front man. But very often the people who are the most memorable and engaging and captivating... Fuck it. They're either damaged or they're just cunts or both. It happened the other day when Ginger Baker died because there you go. What a horrible man like, he was. There was what an horrible man. RIP and all that. Yeah. And then there was some people going, but he was a wanker. Marky Smith. Marky Smith, exactly the same. Exactly the yeah. same. I, I can't. I liked Marky Smith either. I like all those kind of people. Yes, John Lydon, Gene Simmons. I like them all because they're divisive. Yeah. It really lacks it, doesn't it? But I do think when you start to going political, especially nowadays, because it's so divided, isn't it? I don't mean to go down that, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to take us down that route. But like, I think you've got to, you know, you've got to realise that it's going to divide people, your fans especially. I, I remember put, I put one tweet out about you, go and vote Labour or whatever years ago. And it was, it was, it went fucking insane. Did it? How dare you, you know, like tell us what to do. Just stick to right inside, you know. Yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, I will. And I thought, well, actually, yeah. I don't, you know, if that's, but I guess part of me was just wanting to show that that's where. Your allegiances you know, are and encourage people to are, that I, use their vote, yeah. That, you know, 
but I feel the other way is a selfish vote. But we're not going to go down that route. No, we're we're going to go. Well, Phil, we're pretty else. much at an hour there. So that kind of brings us home. I just wanted to ask you before we go, um, the record's out in November. Yeah. Christmas shows, as always. And then what's the plans going into 2020? You say you're touch and go whether you're going to break up or not every week. But No, I think... I think <laughs> what's I, the plans for next year? Because well, that's... It, Ian's it's got, a new decade. Our manager's got a plan and we're going to... We're going to... It is a new decade. Isn't it? That's, that's scary. Exciting. That's scary. In itself. We're going to... We're going to try and keep the blag alive like, like always and we're going to try and play some good shows. Myself and John, I'm sure we'll get back in and start writing at some point but for now... I feel that we just need to play this record and stuff and try and try and be friends again. Cause it, it, it you know, John, who I've probably not mentioned enough, you know, is that is without him, I wouldn't never be doing it. I'm sure it's the same for him. And, but it does damage your relationship. You know, it makes it difficult to be friends still, you know? And so I'm hoping that we can get back to a, a point where we want to be in the same room as each other because without sounding dramatic about it, you don't, you, do, you get to a point where you just don't want to be around each other for, anymore because I get it. You're assessing each other's art for one of a better, you know, but you, you know, and you're probably the cause of everything great and awful that's happened in each other's lives at the same time. Yeah. So it's trying to make peace with that. Because it is like the high, there's no middle ground when you're in a creative partnership. We've, it's I've had some of the best times of my life with you and some of the absolute worst. Yeah, and we've both, reconcile we've those. both fucked up equally. And there's this, there's been a permanent thing of, oh, I said that six months ago. And, or he was, oh, I said that six months ago. And it's a permanent, like, I mean, he texts me today on the train saying, good luck today. I was like, and I text him back saying, look, like, it's not a job interview. You know, it's just like, I'm just going to talk shit for an hour. Um, but he just wants it to go well. You know, there's a side of him that he just wants, which I thought... Well, actually, He's rooting for you. Once I'd, yeah. once I'd sent that text, I thought, actually, you know, it's, it's nice that he... Cares. He wants us to, you know, change perceptions and to carry on the, carry on the black, you know. That's the dream for me, dude. Well, that's, that's all it's I'm doing. That's all it's about, isn't yeah. it? You know, and we... It's, that's all it's about. We're five records in, and I think... That is a big achievement, you know. I've not worked, I've not had a job for like 12 years and that's, you know, been massive for me, you know, because that's all I ever wanted. That was, you know, when we set out, let's not work, you know, yeah. let's not get a job, let's, let's get on the blag and we, uh, and we, and we done it. So it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster, you know, but I think we've kept our integrity and we've not, you know, we've, we've been true to ourselves, you know. And you're evolving as well. I can hear that. I haven't heard the full new record, but I've heard the three singles that are out. And there's an evolution in sound there. You I know, think... there's different yeah, melodies so and themes. and Yeah, I think we've we've really worked hard on this record. You know, I, I we've really worked hard. I could play it cool and say, you know, but we've really worked. We've we've really thought about it. Like every, every second on the record, you know, we've thought, is it, you know, should it be on there and, we whittled it down from like you know five years of writing so like from 40 tracks down to like the 11 that are on there and i have got to give a shout out to john dawkins because who managed killing joke for a bit actually with the yeah, various okay. various artists but the um he he came down and really you know sorted us out and give us a direction and said you know let's, let's make a twang record which it sounds not a cool thing to do, isn't it? But like we do feel this is the most twang record for ages because I, if you leave, leave me to my own devices, I will try and make, you know, something quite weird because mm-hmm. you just, that's what I'm, you know, that's the, that is where I'll go. Well, that's I'll, where a good producer comes in, right? Is yeah. He goes, here's your brain shooting off in all these wonderful directions, but let's streamline and focus this into something which is recognizably the voice of this thing, the twang, that people have known to love over the years. And it, it sounds careerist, but we tried it with the fourth record. We went and worked with Rory Atwell from Test High Schools. And, it, I, I, you know, it was great. But he had this production, like, where he deliberately wanted to fuck it up. It was like, let's make it sound as, you know, yeah. mad. You know, you, ever such strange, you know, ever such strange view on a, on a mix, you know. Like Velvet Underground or whatever, you know, like, just 
let's just fuck it up. Let's fuck up this chorus, you know. And we did that, and I was really happy with the record, but the fans were like, our fans were like, what? What the fuck is you this? Know, yeah, what yeah, yeah, is yeah, yeah, this? Yeah, and we yeah, were yeah. like, shit. Should have put it out as Neon Twang, maybe. Yeah, and we were <laughs> like, side project. no, like, what have we done? <laughs> So, but and that, so, I'm not ashamed to say that we've made a record. You know, we've 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 made a twang record, and we're really happy with it. And it's it's good, man. I'm happy. I'm, I feel like we're in a good place. You know, we got we got a good team around us. We have got people that you know care about us, and it's it's good, man. It's good. I drink to that, brother. Mm. Cheers. Nice one. Thanks ever so much for having us on, man. My pleasure. I honestly, do listen to this podcast quite a bit will you listen to this one no <laughs> but i'm sure that john will i'm sure that john will and he'll tell me you fucking you know i don't know you can only be yourself can't you hey man I've, I've already got conversation anxiety about this <laughs> as, before i even before i even leave the room catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.